words with me today, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. A couple weeks ago, we looked at Joseph's faith. Last week, we looked at Mary's faith. And Mary's going to cross paths today with some shepherds. Today, we're going to look at the shepherd's faith from Luke chapter 2. As we shared last week, and we're going to encounter Mary again today, pondering. Do you remember what pondering was? There was a couple ideas there. One, one idea is, is of an accountant who, or uh, an auditor who is looking at somebody's books and, and sorts them out and, and tries to reason and, and make sense of what's there. Hopefully... The bookkeepers did their job well, and it's, and it's not too hard to figure it out. But to ponder is, is to also, in, in, a, in an auditor might find themselves doing this, is to have a dialogue with themselves, is, is to discuss what's going on, to discuss the details, to, to think it through, to try to make it make sense and, and line up and reason with it. Hold, hold that thought for today, too, okay? That, that was Mary's pondering last week. And, and it, it, it was told that she, she pondered when the angel came and told her that she would be uh, come over by the power of the Holy Spirit and that she would be pregnant with the Son of God. She pondered those things, as I think most of us would. And then nine months later, after the baby's born and the shepherds come to the field that we're going to look at today, the shepherds come from the field, and she again ponders these things. She, she thinks about it. She's trying to sort them out. She's trying to make it make sense. This is not a normal birth, okay? This is something very special. But I'm going to read uh, verses 8 through 20, and, and then we'll go back and, and dissect it a little bit. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger or a feeding trough. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the feeding trough. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. 
the shepherds. What can we learn from them through this part of the story, the Christmas story? How, how, how should we respond to, to the message of the word of God and what he shares here? Shepherds were out staying in the fields. Nothing unusual about that. Somebody had to be out there, and that was their job. So they were out there at night keeping watch over their sheep. What was unusual about this night was that an angel of the Lord came. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. We began to discuss, flip with me briefly if you would. Keep your finger here in Luke to Genesis chapter 3. And we always say that Adam and Eve, man, they really blew it. And they did. They did. They, 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 they get full credit for that. But um, do you think you'd have done any better if you were there? I doubt it. Myself included. <laughs> do not be afraid. Why were they afraid? Genesis 3, starting in verse 8. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the tree of the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I was hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? I'll stop there, but you can, you can read on to, to 15 later. God says, where are you, Adam? I heard that you were in the garden and I was afraid. The shepherds, the angels said, do not be afraid. Why was Adam afraid? Because he knew he'd sinned. That, that peace between man and God was broken. Because of sin, there's enmity. James talks about you can't be the friend of the world and the friend of God. You can't have one foot over here with God and another one in the world. It doesn't work that way. Either you're a friend of God or you're a friend of the world. And if you're a friend of the world, then it says you hate God. There's warfare there. There's, there's uh, angst. There, there's fear because of that sin, that the peace, the, the fellowship with the Father is broken because of sin. Back to Luke. The angel said, do not be afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they were in the presence of holiness. And they knew that these angels representing the Lord represented holiness. And they knew that they were sinners, that they were not holy. So they were afraid. We are threatened by the presence of a holy God. And just as Adam and Eve wanted in, the old, in, in Genesis, they wanted to control their lives. They wanted to have a say of what they could and couldn't do. They replaced God with themselves. They took God off the throne and put themselves on that throne. Aren't you glad we don't ever do that? 
<laughs> yeah. We are threatened by the presence of a holy God. Adam was afraid because he knew he had sinned and broken that fellowship with God. Satan's lies screwed it up for all of us because Adam and Eve believed the lies that Satan would fit. Oh, God doesn't want you to know what he knows because then you'll be, you know, you'll be like him and he doesn't want that. It's okay to take God off the throne and put yourself there. And so we have, because of sin, we, we have in our hearts that desire to control what we consider right and wrong. If we can justify it in our heads and our hearts, then we don't need God because we can take care of this ourselves. We got it. And yet when confronted with a holy, pure, righteous God, we justifiably are afraid and have fear. We should be afraid when we come into the presence of God if there's unconfessed sin in our life. In a perfect relationship with an all-powerful, all-loving Lord, there is no fear at all. There shouldn't be fear in our relationship with him. But we know that when there's sin in our hearts, we have every right to fear him. We, we, we don't even want to come into his presence. Because we know how filthy we are because of our sin. So the angel says... Do not be afraid. They were to, because they were terribly frightened. They weren't, they weren't just a little afraid. Like if you, you know, you're on your way to the bathroom in the middle of the night and it's dark and you hear a little something that's an unusual sound. I think this, their, their fear was just a little bit stronger than that. Do not be afraid for behold. What does behold mean? It's, 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 it don't, don't, even, don't even waste your time guessing because you're not going to get it unless you've studied the Greek. Anybody studied the Greek this week on this one? Or? For behold! It's, it's like it's a pronouncement or an announcement. And that is just a horrible translation in the English. It, it doesn't do it justice. We don't understand what it truly means. Behold, yes, it's a verb. But it, it is the verb that means to be perceiving. Anybody get that right? <laughs> to be perceiving. It, it's an action that we are to be taking. And, and, it's, and because of the tense in the Greek, it, it is to have started at some point and to continue on. So for the rest of our lives, we need to be perceiving. Perceiving what? Think of that in, that, in that, that term that we use for Mary in a few more verses here for the second time, pondering. To, to be perceiving, to be uh, understanding, to, to contemplate, to meditate, to think on, to look for the meaning. Uh, there, there's a story of, of, uh, of pastor's conference, and the, the, the speaker told them to, uh, they were going to take a half hour in this conference, and it was an exercise. They were, they were to look at a passage of four or five verses. And they were to contemplate these, to meditate on them, to think. 
And in that half hour, they had to write down 15 observations from this passage. They were told, okay, in the first few minutes, you'll get, you'll get five or ten real fast. And then, then it's going to slow down a little bit. Kind of, it makes me think of that camping experience I've shared before. About sitting out in the woods by myself for 12 hours. And my Bible and God and fortunately a lunch. Only one meal. But for 12 hours you sat out there and you meditated. You know, all these, these pastors in this conference, the, the, the fellow telling the story says, that, yeah, it was easy in the first 10 minutes. He had, he had 10 or 12 observations, but then he kind of hit a brick wall. And he was going to like, you know, kind of close the Bible and go, I got this covered. And he remembered what the speaker had told him is, no, stop and think about this. You've got to have 15 and you've got to think on this for 30 minutes. Just a, just a few verses. He said as, as time went on, he, he saw things, and he was asking God to help him. He, he saw things differently, and he rephrased things, things that, that were statements he rephrased into questions. And then when they got back together at the end of the 30 minutes, the speaker said, now, how many of you made good thoughts that, that, will, that you'll be able to take from here and, and learn and fellowship more with the Lord, and it can change your life. And, and they, they talked about it, and they, they figured out that not too many of those thoughts were made in the 10 minutes. It was at the 20-minute point, at the 25-minute point, just before the half hour was up, when they were meditating, they were thinking, they were pondering these things, they were perceiving these things. As they asked the Lord to help them understand the Word of God, they, they perceived these things, and, and the more time they spent in meditation, the deeper their understanding came, and the, the deeper the, the thoughts that they had between them and God in that fellowship to, to change the direction of their lives, or at least to be open to the possibility, maybe the Lord wants me to go this way instead of this way. Folks, and, and I... I, I know, and I, I harped on this over the years, and I don't mean to harp. The daily crouton is a good start. But it only takes about five minutes to read the story in the passage. It's, it's, it's the milk of the word. It's truth. There's nothing wrong with it. I am not bashing it. There is nothing wrong with, with using that. But if it's the only thing you chew on during the day, you're going to come up hungry. You're going to come up short. Okay? Because you're not getting to that 20 or 25 minute or 30 minute point of meditation, of concentrating, of pondering, of to be perceiving, to, to, to marinate in it. Five minutes is just a passing, woo, and it's done. Get into the Word. Dig. Go deeper, people. You need more than a crouton to survive on. It's, the, the crouton isn't even going to help you survive. You need the meat of the Word of God. And to do that, you've got to get into it. Not just on Sunday morning when the preacher's preaching. You've got to do it every day. You've got to eat. And so, the angel said, don't be afraid. 
You need to be perceiving what we're going to tell you. You need to think about what we're going to tell you. You need to, to think on it to the point that it causes you to take action. To be perceiving is, again, to start, but is to continue on into the future. Until the day we die, till the day the Lord calls us home, we need to be perceiving. And we can't do that in five minutes. Not that pastors are any higher or mightier, but that took them a half hour to get to some of those points, okay? You'd think some, some guys that have spent some time in the Word and spent some time studying. I need to be perceiving until the day I die. I need to be hearing the Word of God, letting it permeate me, letting it just i got to pay attention to it. I can't just go, yep, got it. That doesn't work. That doesn't work, people. Back to the angels and the shepherds. Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. And it goes on and tells, this is a sign. You will find the baby wrapped in a manger. In a, in a feeding trough. At the end of the message, there's a, a, a little reading I want to do that my wife got off of Facebook. I don't know, I didn't see an author's name with it, so I can't give credit to who wrote it. But it's going to talk a little bit more about why this was told to the shepherds. It's pretty cool. It's good stuff. But right now, suddenly there appeared with the angel the multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, and, 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 and when the, the whole host of heavenly angels, and I know I, I talked about this last week or the week before, when that host of angels came, did it get any brighter since, because there was more angels? No, it didn't. Why didn't it? Because it already said up above, Verse 9, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about. A few more angels isn't going to make the glory of the light of the Lord shine any brighter. It was already shining, folks. It was already shining. You see, Christmas plays with the dramatic. And the host appeared, and then the lights just woo. You. No, it was already there, folks. The glory of the Lord was already shining. It, it don't get no gooder than that. It don't get no brighter than that. Okay? The glory of the Lord was shining. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Does that mean that only those of us that please God are, get that peace? There's a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, commentaries rip this one apart in so many different ways. And, and how, again, once, one more time, we have some, some poorly translated Greek here because there just aren't enough for the right words in English to, to bring it. But there was to be peace among men. Why? Why? How could that be? Well, because today in the city of David, there's been born a Savior for you who is Christ the Lord. The only way that we can have peace with each other. <laughs> Got to stay away from the communion tray. <clears throat> Excuse me. The only way we can have peace with one another is if we are at peace with God. 
Because remember that desire back in the garden with Adam? His desire was that he wanted to be in charge. I want to be in charge of my own life. Okay, we can't just blame Adam, okay? I want to be in charge of my life. Friend of God? Friend of the world? I can only be at peace with the world if I'm at peace with God. Because of sin, there is a warfare. There is conflict between us and God in our relationship with him. Because we are struggling. Because we want to be in charge. We don't want to give that up to God. We struggle with that. If, you're, if you don't, you're not human and you're not here. You're already there. Because that's the only time we're ever going to totally conquer it. Well, we're not going to conquer it. God's going to finish it for us. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, starting in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord. Look at that. It doesn't get any more plain or simpler for us. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, who was it that the angels said that were being, was being born that night? For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. Not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, in other words, where Adam was in Genesis 3 because of his sin, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, remember... Adam was afraid because God was holy and God, the holy God is looking for Adam. So there's, there's no peace there. There's warfare. There's that conflict. There's that enmity between God and man. Verse 10, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. <coughs> the words to 
Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. There's peace there, there's peace to be had. We can be reconciled in our relationship with God, then we don't need to, to fear him and, and to, run, to the point that we run away, we still need to fear him, to respect him because he is God. But we can have communion with him. We can have fellowship with him. And as we, to be perceiving and spend that time with him, we have fellowship because we can be reconciled. We can have peace with him. We have to wholly lean on Jesus' work, not ours. When Adam wanted to be in charge, when we want to be in charge. The only way we're going to have peace with God and be reconciled to him is if we put ourselves under his authority, come under the blood of Jesus Christ, and acknowledge and realize that he, he is on the throne, not we. He is on the throne. Romans 12, 18, you can say, and you can flip back to Luke chapter 2. Just read Romans 12, 18, if I get it, no, I'm going to say it, yeah, no, 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Again, we can't be at that peace with man on this level until we're at peace with God on this level. Be at peace with God. Shepherds came, uh, verse 15, Luke chapter 2, verse 15. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. They knew it was the angel of the Lord. They knew it was the Lord sending them the message. They heard. They perceived. It brought them to action. They went. We want to go see this thing. They came in haste. You could preach a whole sermon on that. How often do we quickly follow the word of God? How often do we drag our feet? We wouldn't do that. We don't, we don't, we don't need to dwell on that today. We're more into the haste category, right? They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in a manger. They, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which they had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things they were told by the shepherds. Now when the shepherds heard it, they heard it from the angels. Again, it don't get much gooder than that. But then when the shepherds saw... They went in haste, and they saw what they were told they would see. They wanted to tell other people. But guess what? The other people heard it from dumb, uneducated shepherds that were the scum of the society. So do you think they heard it just a little bit differently than those shepherds heard it from the angels? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, 
Spent a few minutes with Don and Myrna this morning. Don, we've been praying for him on the, on the prayer list. He's uh, got some physical ailments that aren't being cleared up. So I went and spent a few minutes with him. And, 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 and Myrna assured me that they have TBN, so they'd be watching a lot of good preachers today. <laughs> Love you too. <laughs> but guess what? The, the, way, the way you need to characterize it, whether you're here in church or whether you're watching on TV or hearing a preacher on the radio, don't focus on the messengers. The shepherds had the angels. Lucky guys. The people they told just had the shepherds. Don't focus on the messenger. Is, is God's truth being presented to you? That's what you should be at, whether it's TV, whether it's radio, whether it's here. Is God's truth being presented to you? That should be your biggest concern. Hear the message as, as the, sub, the subtitle of the message. Think, perceive, ponder, treasure. And then we finish up there. Um, and Mary, verse 19, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back to the fields glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. The shepherds had the privilege of seeing the angels and listening and hearing the message from the angels. Today we have the Holy Spirit. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to be able to tell you a little bit more in a half hour than, in the, than he will in five minutes. As you are to be perceiving, to ponder, to treasure these things, to treasure the word of God, to give it value. I'll tell you, the person that spends 25 minutes in the word of God is going to have a little more to treasure than somebody that spends five minutes in the word of God. Quick reading on mangers came through Facebook. I think, Shelby, you might have posted it. It's pretty cool. Listen to, the, listen to the story about mangers. Mangers are animal feeding troughs, but in ancient Israel, they were made of stone, not what you see in a modern-day nativity scene. Not comfortable, but great for protection. That's why those who were experts in this matter, the priests, would put their newborn lambs in them for protection. Not all lambs got the manger treatment. Only the unblemished, perfect lambs that were used for sacrifice of sins. Bethlehem was where Jesus was born, and Bethlehem was famous for their unblemished lambs used for these sacrifices. These lambs had to be perfect, so they would wrap them tightly in cloth and lay them in a manger to keep them safe. The only time mangers are mentioned in the Christmas story is when the shepherds are involved. In Luke 2, it says, this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. The shepherds would have understood this powerful parallel. They knew what the cloth in the manger meant. This baby would be the perfect Lamb of God, the Messiah, who would sacrifice his life for the sins of the world. 
He wasn't just a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. He was God's perfect, sinless, and holy son, humbling himself to become the perfect sacrifice to reconcile us back to himself. <laughs> How cool is that? How cool is that? The shepherds would understand that. There's a story about Jesus' baptism. We've told it before. We'll tell it again come another time. But it's along the same lines. It's, it's understanding. First Peter, men, First Peter tells you to live with understanding with your wife. Okay? Well, something like this is, is understanding the scriptures. When you, when you see this picture and realize that he, he went to the shepherds and said, go and see this. I've got something for you to see. It's the perfect Lamb of God that he sent so that we could be reconciled, so that we didn't have to fear. What do you do with that fear? You get rid of it by walking with God, by being in fellowship with him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Lamb of God, and thank you for the story even about the manger. But God, help us to, in our spiritual lives, to be perceiving now and continued till the day we die to ponder and treasure your word, to let it permeate us, to let it just ooze out of us, Father, because we're in it so much. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. People that don't know you, Father, can't understand the peace that we can have. Father, help us to love them enough to tell them how they can have that peace. That in the midst of life's downs, the world's downs, the results of sin, that we can have peace with you and thus peace with one another. Thank you for the Lamb of God in whose name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.